0: Fitness journey. Oh, good, good question. Uh, I started in the pool. Um, I was a swimmer for like seven to eight years, like competitively, mm-hmm. and then ended up completely burning out simply because I'd do like two hours in the pool in the morning. I'd go to school and then I'd do two, two and a half in the evening plus land training. So, you know, it's, it's too much training for a kid.
1: Um, I love how you call it land, land training, which is just like training for the rest of us.
0: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, but at that time, like, on a, and until later on down the line, I ended up working with a load of swimmers and got them doing specific stuff. But um, at that time, it was basically just circuits on land, so you're hitting the same stimulus. So everything's just cardio based. Everything mm. is just like pounding the heart rate, getting you yeah, yeah, cardiovascular fit. Granted, but are we strong? Are we like stable? No, are you heck. But you know, you could argue yeah. you need a lot of stability in the water. Probably not. Um, but then I played um I played rugby for a while and I got took out of that because of a lot of concussions and and I got a serious neck injury that that wiped me out. Um, so I had to hang up my boots. And then, you know, as, as you do, like you carry on training, um, weight training in the gym, kind of, you know, what do I do now? Our identity's been stripped away. So um ended up dabbling back into the whole, okay, maybe we get strong again, because um, I was a little bit of a, we'll say, larger child. Mm-hmm. Um, And I went through a period where I dropped down to like 59 kilos. Um, You know, everyone goes through whatever they go through. And the only thing I could control at the time was what I was eating. And that's what I did control and just literally just shrunk. Like half the size. Yeah. Um, and I was like, right, well, this probably isn't um sustainable. You know, I'm uh, <laughs> I'm dropping weight pretty fucking quickly. Yeah. Um so uh yeah, other than that, got into CrossFit for a little bit, did that for a for a little bit, gave me that competitive um aspect that I was kind of craving since since stopping rugby. Um and then realized I can't be asked with the training. Uh, it takes a lot and uh, I absolutely love it. I think it's fantastic. I think there's a lot of bad things. I think there's a lot of good things. I think the good things outweigh the bad things um but I uprooted and now I'm over in New Zealand and the training for CrossFit when you're traveling and don't really know how to get to a gym is impossible because you need to train like 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 we know all the fucking time um yeah so I was like, you know what I've always wanted to go, into Olympic weightlifting purely for weightlifting um I love this thing and just carried on with the whole gymnastic and, and burpees and I was like yeah it's time to stop doing burpees and sit down and my cardio is back squat fives
1: <laughs> yeah perfect well you've you've kind of run the uh, run the gamut of uh, a few different fitness options there yeah man like um, I, I heard your gyms are just about to reopen too
0: Yes, we've been, we've been open a while, man.
1: Have you? Okay. Yeah, yeah we got... Well, I have a few uh, athletes in uh, Australia who are not too happy right now, especially over by the Sydney area, but uh, I'm thankful that New Zealand's uh, on the right track.
0: Mm, yeah, um, Australia, like parts of Australia, like some of the provinces have gone like super militant with it in the sense of they've been locked down forever. Um, yeah. which you know, it's not up to us to make that decision, but uh, it, I could understand how rough that would be for for some individuals over there. Yeah, yeah, man, I'm I'm super grateful we got. Um, I think we got four weeks initially when it first rolled round, like whenever it was a year, a year and a half ago, and then we had another. Uh, I want to say like two to three weeks recently, um, and now it's mm-hmm. just been the whole like track where you go wear a mask inside um but when you sit down you can take it off um and other than that it's it's pretty much the same but i'm in the south island man and there's no one here like no one here Mm. nice so it's uh it's super easy what part of the, the state's you in
1: i'm in fort collins colorado so uh the capital of colorado is denver and we're about an hour north of that um, so the this big, gigantic mountain range that goes all the way down through the United States called the Rocky Mountains, and we're just east of the Rockies. Wow. That
0: seems like such a beautiful place to go, to go visit.
1: Yeah, it's beautiful here. Uh, we're really lucky. And right around now, the leaves are all turning uh, yellow and uh, getting into fall weather.
0: Mm. One of the most beautiful scenes you can see on the planet, right, is, is that those autumn leaves or fall yeah. leaves, if, if you guys call it, like it's it's stunning, man. Mm-hmm. You get that what two weeks, maybe maybe less
1: than where it's just about right. That's exactly. Yeah, man. And then uh, they're just they're just gone. So we're oh we're appreciating it right now.
0: Yeah, then it's winter, and you're like, fuck, it's cold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, talk to me about your fitness journey. You've you've kind of uh, heard mine. What about yours, man?
1: Yeah, sorry. So we just got right to recording. Uh, I'll introduce myself and um, then I'll say a little bit about how I got to where I am today. Um, my name is Bryce Lewis. I'm a powerlifter and a powerlifting coach. Sorry, this is fly that just will not leave me alone. really likes your head. Um, powerlifter, powerlifting coach. Uh, I started off playing volleyball uh, in high school and college, enjoyed it a lot, uh, and then through the wonder of the internet found the bodybuilding.com forums and okay. figured out that like there's there's ways to train so you can look uh shredded and I found some friends who were doing some bodybuilding competitions so I did that for a little while and then uh I learned I learned that when you're bodybuilding um there are times of the year where you have to eat a lot less than you normally do and that <laughs> when you do that, uh, it doesn't feel good all the time, but there's this thing called powerlifting that allows you to train the same or close to the same, uh, but you get to eat a little bit more. And so I did powerlifting and really enjoyed it and competed at my first national competition in 2014, won in 2015, and have been competing at a high level, um, since then. So, Um, I started a coaching company in late 2013 called the strength athlete and, uh, together with myself, those two interns I mentioned before and two other coaches, we work with, um, uh, maybe about 150 athletes or so at a time and, uh, really just try to, uh, Blend everything I think that high level athletes across any sport would need in order to become successful. So, attention to nutrition, technique, programming, sports psychology. We now have um, a sports psychologist on staff, and we also have a uh, physical therapist on staff to kind of correct for problems that come up and just kind of help support athletes as best as possible. So, um, that's kind of where we're at. And um my next competition is in March. I'm dieting my way down to the 93 kilo weight class. I've been competing as a 105 for at least the last 3 or 4 years, so this will be a new and exciting move for me. But um yeah, that's kind of how I got to where I am today. I really just I like training. Um it's fun, it's hard. You get to feel like you did something really valuable at the end of the day. Even when it's a grind, it's still fun. Uh, and um, you know it just kind of feels like a puzzle that you have to kind of figure new things out about how you progress and and stuff so it's nice yeah 100% man like
0: one of the greatest um, one of the greatest quotes I ever heard from one of the members I used to coach was we pay for this so we don't have to pay for therapy <laughs>
1: yeah I was like <laughs> holy
0: shit like that's like I've been thinking that for, you know, for however long and you've just kind of put it into one sentence. And you're like, that's so true. You're like, Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, you feel that sense of accomplishment at the end of the day, even if you've just like just got in the gym, moved the bar and be like, you know what? Yeah, that's that's kind of me today. And you're like, well, I feel like I've accomplished something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Like it's absolutely it's, true. It's funny. Um, I love like a coaching um. them coaching the gym now which have a lot of new individuals that I've never trained before right um which is really cool dynamic in a sense if they come in and I really want to hear their like prerequisites of the gym like what's the stereotype what do you think of the gym what do you think of us that clearly like have done this for a while and etc cetera, etc cetera? and like just hearing what they've got to say is is very very interesting you're like you know it's the whole like arrogance or whatever. You're like, oh, okay, okay, interesting. Yeah. Then you explain, you know, a little bit more. And they're like, oh my God, you guys are just like us. I'm like, yeah, we've just been doing it a little bit longer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's all. Yeah. I, uh, I'm always interested by like the type of people that are drawn to powerlifting. Mm. Um, it's a smart group, it seems to me. Like it, um, a lot of engineers, a lot of just kind of critical thinkers and stuff like that. Part of it is, you know, for the most part, people coach themselves. And there's a lot of people who don't. But um, even the people who are coached are very critically thinking and are able to kind of make smart decisions about their training and understand kind of what's going on. Uh, it's just so cool to see. Mm.
0: Yeah, that's that's very true. I've I've noticed the same like everyone I've bumped, bumped into has been a powerlifter has been a wickedly smart individual. Yeah. I'm like, wait, hold on a minute. Like, you're a bit geeky. Like, you're super smart. And then the next thing, you know, you get under a bar and you're like, wait, what's on that bar? Like, what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> you're like, right. No, you shouldn't be doing that. You should be, like, playing chess or something. And then they'll get off and they'll, <laughs> and they'll smack you with chess.
1: It's like, oh, okay. Now I have nothing.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, I remember the same picture of... um. Famed neuroscientist and author Oliver Sacks. Um, he's a powerlifter, squat of like six twenty-five or what's that, two eighty-five somewhere right around there. Um, it's just it's cool to see that people can excel in other areas and also excel in like this area of fitness as well. And is pretty new too, so I'm just excited to kind of see what happens in the future.
0: Mm, there's definitely going to be some insanely strong people like insanely strong yeah like i cannot wait to see what happens next
1: i think one of the uh things we may see is just people starting a little bit younger Mm. you know so here in the united states you get lucky if you're able to do powerlifting in high school or in college so like let's see age uh Was that age 13 to 18, somewhere around there is, is high school, um, for us. And, and there's not many high school powerlifting programs or the ones that are, aren't very serious. And, you know, college powerlifting also, you know, kind of more limited, but if those athletes ever either in the education setting or alone are able to just, uh, train and, and work on that, I can't wait to see what athletes are able to do. Hmm. How would you
0: structure a program for kids then? We'll say between the ages of
1: 13 or 15. It's really hard because um, looking at the research on sports psychology, um, burnout is really prevalent for you know younger sports. And thinking about long-term athletic development, we don't want to start people on powerlifting per se much younger, but, you know, perhaps something that looks like a blend between strongman and like play or games or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, plus a little bit more generalized conditioning, uh, you know, even other sports, dodgeball, football, you know, something like that. You can still resistance train, but like, I wouldn't want it to look like powerlifting for quite a while. You know, I would Mm -hmm. want it to look more like body weight training, um, or or body weight plus weight training, you know, like weighted push ups, weighted pull ups, um, you know, carries, just kind of moving in different planes of motion for quite a while before we really kind of started powerlifting in earnest. And you know, it's not to say that someone can't increase their muscle mass early on. I just, if you're trying to build a powerlifter that at age I don't know 35 or something like that is the best powerlifter in the world I don't think you start off with powerlifting I think you start off a little bit more generally
0: yeah and like SBD is quite specialized right you know it's just it's it's getting strong in three three movements like that's it and everything you can do with your body it's three movements you're like oh okay is that it and you know yeah like you said you want to be able to plug the holes as a kid and be able to do multiple things. And that's, that poses the issues of like early specialization sports, right? Like swimming, for example, or gymnastics, you know, like um, fast forward down the line, I ended up coaching a lot of swimmers, uh, one at a university and then one um, as in one group at a uni, then one at a, like a private swimming club. And a lot of them were, you know, national slash international athletes. Right. And I'm like, Oh, this is really cool. I get to uh, get to help these kids out. But the next thing you know, like they're only ever swam. That's it. There's only ever been in the pool. And you're like, oh, okay, cool. Uh, no problem. I'm going to be able to sort these people out. And they get out and they're like, oh, when do I breathe? I'm like, what do you mean? When do you breathe? I'm like, God, oh, well, I'm, ho- <laughs> I'm holding my breath. I was like, what? what? No, like breathe when you have to, like we're not in the pool anymore. And, and you, yeah. you know, those things are just like, holy shit. Like, these people have no idea what to do out of the pool. You know, you put a human in the pool; hopefully, they'll be able to swim. You take a fish out of the pool, then they're gonna drop. They're gonna die. Mm-hmm. And it's being able to adapt and being able to um, coach them through those things that they need outside of the water. And it's yeah, man, it's interesting those early specialization spots.
1: For sure, it is. And you know, like sure, you could. Here's the problem that I sometimes see is, is there's a lot of athletes who are crushing it at age 19, you know, at age 18 at something like that. And I worry if they are able to keep up that performance for a decade, you know, when they're 29, you know, when they're 28 or something like that, are they still going to be able to push as hard, to be as dedicated, to be as injury-free, as resilient, as into the sport and as passionate about it? Um, and that's a little bit of that early specialization piece that I'm talking about. Like when, when do they peak, uh, ultimately? Yeah. You do see,
0: you know, and especially when people start dabbling around with a little bit of aid, a little bit too early, you know what I mean? And it's like, Mm -hmm. wait, hold on a minute. Like you're not developed as a human being, like folk spot for a second, like take that out of the equation. Like you're not, you're not developed as a human being now you're trying to like jump forwards or leap forwards rather than take the steps needed to get there. You're like, yeah, of course you're going to burn out. Yeah. Like th- leave the, all the, um, physiological issues, like just the mental side. Yeah. You're going to burn out. Like it's running yourself into a wall for like five years. You're like, that's <laughs> not how strength training works, dude. It's like months and years. Right. Rather than, Oh yeah, I'm going to get there
1: in like, uh, six weeks. You're like, okay, good luck. <laughs> but I mean, how do you, how do you convince an athlete to, to slow down? Uh, Cause that's one thing like, I think is, is relevant. It's like, everyone wants the most progress, the quickest and, you know, young athletes are really impressionable and, and, you know, they want to push very hard. It's a tough thing to throttle an athlete in a way that doesn't make them get disinterested in the sport, but to be like, this is how to get to your best self, you know, uh, mm-hmm. ultimately.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I don't think there's one set answer for that. How would you tell someone to slow down?
1: Uh, you know, it's really just about like sustainable behaviors, you know? So like, uh, I think there's some teachable moments you can find. So like the small things like, um, small overuse stuff that occurs like, Oh, my editors has been bugging me a little bit. Um, and then, when that happens, you can start having a conversation with the athlete about like sustainability and making sure that you know we're making progress not only for now but for the long term. Mm-hmm. Or there's there's this useful analogy that I learned from uh, Matt Gary, who's a, a coach here in the United States and also uh, kind of has set a lot of the foundation for attempt selection. You know that we end up using. But it's this idea like, okay, let's pretend that you compete three times a year and you all you do is you hit a two and a half kilo PR on your squat, your bench, and your deadlift at each of those competitions. So that's at the end of the year, it's seven and a half on your squat, seven and a half on your bench, seven and a half on your deadlift. So what's that 22 and a half um, total? So you're looking at adding like 50 pounds per year to your total. All right. If you did that five years in a row, that's 250 pounds added to your total, which is mind blowing, right? 10 years, 500 pounds added to your total. Also mind blowing. Would you be okay with that rate of progress? Yes, absolutely. But when you look at the, the, the micro progression of that, it's the minimum amount of progress from competition to competition, you know, and typically athletes are making more than that. So it's really just kind of about framing what the appropriate rate of progress looks like in order to achieve, you know national level competitiveness world level competitiveness um even for those athletes who are competitively oriented for the athletes who aren't it's even easier you know we're just looking for your next pr your next bit of progress you know and and we'll kind of search for your um your prs you know if you want that big next milestone like that's going to come you know we're just going to train hard enough and then we'll get there
0: Mm.
1: Mm. having that honest conversation with them right yeah, it's hard, you know. Like it, sometimes athletes have to swallow their pride a little bit, but you know, you uh, uh, you both benefit at the end of the day with more realistic expectations. Yeah, for sure, and
0: I think it helps. Uh, helps a coach having that conversation if they've been in those shoes, you know what I mean, and they've they've been an athlete, right? And you, whoever's done any type of competitive sport or competitive whatever always wants to progress as quick as possible. Let's be honest. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, whether it's volleyball, whether it's fucking water polo, bowls, powerlifting, whatever it is, you're like, I want to be the best I can be, even if it's just intrinsically. You're like, you want to progress that as quick as possible because, you know, time is time. It's You can't speed it up. You know, and sometimes it can get boring. And having been that athlete before, it's like, okay, yeah, I understand how you feel. I can, like, empathize with this individual now. You're like, listen to me, like I've been in those shoes. (laughs) I know what it's like, trust me, because, you know, if you if you risk it, sometimes you get the chocolate biscuit and then sometimes you break it. Sometimes you end Mm -hmm. up end up in a in a pretty, pretty bad state. Right. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Have you,
1: um, you had any pretty bad injuries? I've had a few for sure. Um, nothing that's kind of like prevented me from training for, you know, any long period of time, but I've had to heavily modify training quite a few times. So early on, I herniated a disc in my L 5s one playing volleyball. And, um, that took quite a while of recovery. I've had some back stuff, uh, kind of unrelated to that. I've had some adductor issues close to a competition. Uh, I've had some shoulder issues, you know, like you train long enough you get your fair share of acute stuff, chronic stuff. And I think how you deal with those determines whether or not you make it through or whether you just deal with it for the rest of your life, you know, cause you didn't take time off or you didn't adjust training in the right ways or something like that. So um, I feel like I've been pretty lucky. And part of that has been having training that's been sustainable, but uh, it's, you know, it's not always that simple. Yes. Like, uh, my-
0: it is not always that simple, especially when it comes to the body, right? You know, we think we know we think we know how it works, and then the next thing you know, we don't. It's like, oh, okay. That theory that everyone was going off, ah, oh, it turns out it was bullshit, right? We need to go back to the drawing board and figure this thing out. And you're like, oh, okay, what do we do now? It's like, well, good luck. Right. So that's what's make it makes it fun, right? And it is, like we said, it's a it's a new spot, is a new spot, but also like you know fitness is a new thing like it's still relatively new like spot science it's new in the grand scheme of things
1: i forget who i was talking with about this but um it's interesting like fitness as a casual endeavor you know like something to do in your free time you know the gym itself is a 50 years old or something like that 50 60 years old um Mm as a place that you can go and and there's equipment and you can train to make yourself, you know, look a certain way. Things used to be either group oriented or really just kind of like outdoors before then, you know, before we started taking fitness a little bit more seriously than we do now. So um, it's kind of fun being at the early side of all this and kind of seeing uh, where things will go from here.
0: Mm, That frontier life, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just figuring it out. And I, I, I do, um, miss the days where you go into the gym and you, you, let's be honest, you have no fucking idea what you're doing. You know how to kind of move the weight in a way that it's not going to break you, but you have no idea about programming or whatever. And you are just like, you know what? I'm just going to slam this into my face for two hours and I'm going to like crawl out of the gym because that's the way to do it, bro. And I'm like, ah, I kind of miss those naive days where I just have no (laughs) idea what's going on.
1: I miss that too a little bit. Um, I know how to train now so well that like uh, I just kind of do the most optimal thing uh, all the time. And I remember not knowing that. And I remember like just kind of fumbling my way through things a little bit more and like following like an animal. You, you know the company Animal from Animal Pack and and stuff like that. They posted like some free templates on the Bodybuilding.com forums way back and like. I just like destroyed my legs a few days and, you know, just like way too much training, you know, you have to like guide yourself down on the toilet to go to the bathroom. And like my dad had this truck and we would always go to the the gym together. And like, I couldn't climb into the truck because my legs just were like not working. And it's, you, no one has to train that hard, but it's kind of fun. You know, every once in a while to feel this like thing that your body is now not capable of doing. Like, okay, if I have to dig into it deeper, uh, it makes you not take for granted, you know, your, your body and how it functions for you on a regular basis. Hmm. hundred percent,
0: hundred percent. But you know, some, sometimes I'll get that at the back of my head. I'm like, ah, maybe I could do that again. You know what I mean? Just for, just for a one-off. And then I'm like, no, I need to be able to actually function for the next five days. I'm like I, I need to work man. I'm not at school anymore I don't just sit down and kind of like coast you know what I mean I'm like I need to, I need to do shit. yeah yeah it's still, yeah. it's funny it takes away that function <laughs> Yeah, we used to train for fucking oh what was it for rugby like we'd go in we'd do two hours in the weight room right This is like during summer so we'd have the, the dreaded summer fitness training we do two hours in the weight room. Uh, We had like, it was more like a room and a half, you know what I mean? So like a standard small bedroom and then half of that on top. So they've kind of like knocked down the wall and added like another little brick, brick kind of wall, right? There was no no windows. Everything was like mucky, dirty. There was mud everywhere because obviously it was a rugby club. So people are traipsing mud everywhere. And just like, you know, the mixed mix match uh, weights. So none of them like added up. They were all slightly off. They were all, no nothing was in pairs. Nothing was ever put away. It was like, all right, we put it, we get in there. We get two hours in the weight room, do whatever the fuck it is. Just lift weight for two hours. We get out on the field. We do two hours of fitness training, which is usually like sprinting, parachutes, hills, whatever it is. And then we had a bit of a militant coach that was just like, all right, all right, fellas. You've done two hours, and some of you had done two hours before. Now we get to play ball. And after those four hours of training, now we'd actually pick up the rubber ball and start tossing it around and do some skills and drills. Mate, I remember sitting on the stairs and having to, like, use my arms to pull myself up.
1: Like, <laughs> legit, my legs were not working. Yeah. So do you ever look at something like that and think, oh, these powerlifters aren't training as hard as they could be?
0: Mm, I can see how people would think that, but personally, no. No. Yeah. Um because you it's it's out of context. You take that work, work ethic, quote unquote, right? Um, and yeah. then you apply it to an insane intensity. So you're like loading the body up with like some weights that you just don't even know how it feels because you're just like, okay, 300 kilos. Most people will never touch 300 kilos in their life. Like yeah. whether it's like trying to shift an object or whatever, they will never know what that feels like. So I just like, Oh yeah, you should probably like be training more. You're Like that's 300 kilos, man. That's 400 <laughs> kilos. That's 500 kilos. No, like yeah. that's, you're going to do it once. And your body's going to be absolutely destroyed. Um, So, nah. I think um, thinking back, you know, you can always plug holes in it. You can always pull out the cons. But at the same time, like, it it develops so much discipline and so much, like, you know, do or die, work ethic. Like, yeah, granted, we were fitter than anybody else in the league and we won four leagues in a row. Granted, okay, like, was it the best way of doing it? Probably not. But did it work? Yes. Um, but it's the it's the mental side that I think benefited us as of the, of the thing goes, I don't want to do this and my teammates are throwing up, but you're making me do it. I'm like, okay, let's do it. Yeah. Like, it's, it's pros and cons, man.
1: Yeah, it's true. It's true.
0: Do you get anyone coming in that, um, that looks at the programming that you give them and you're like, prices isn't enough mate
1: yeah definitely uh and, you know i'm not very like tough about it i'm always open to changing stuff you know so mm. if if they're saying like hey i want to do more and i feel like doing more isn't gonna detract from their goals or you know cause burnout or anything like that yeah for sure you know let's add on some hypertrophy work let's add on a few extra sets that on an extra day for a little bit of extra practice. There's a lot of ways you can kind of modify training. I think one thing that I really aim for above all is for athletes to feel motivated by their training. You know, so they look at their training and they're excited about doing it. And for the most part, they're excited about going in the gym and they feel like they understand why they're doing their training and all that kind of stuff. So, um, if we're not there, I'm going to change, a lot of things, you know, not everything, but I'm gonna change a lot of things to see if we can get on the same page, to see if I can have them get excited and have some buy-in about their training.
0: Hmm. Yeah, assessing that psychological readiness, right? And that's mm-hmm. that's a really important um, factor. And that's something I would always be like, hey, probably keep this in mind if you're if you're programming of people, like if anyone's listening is just going in the industry, you know what I mean? Just being like, learn your people. You know, if you're absolutely kicking the shit out of someone and they're dragging their ass to the gym, like they're probably not going to be doing that for a long time. Like the sustainability yeah. of that. Going back to the point he said earlier is like really important. Like if they're going to do it once, great. But if they're going to do it every time, then that's a lot better. Especially powerlifting, man. Like it's so technical, and then you you're dealing in you're dealing in strength. Like
1: it's, it, it's such a long time. It takes such a long mm-hmm. time. Yeah. But like training doesn't have to always be sustainable. You know, like at some point we're going to generate some fatigue. You're yeah. not going to want to go to the gym or you're going to want to go to the gym, but you're going to be nervous about a session and whether or not you can make it through or you're not going to feel ready for a session you're about to go in, like that is expected. And especially as athletes get higher and higher level, we expect to be carrying some fatigue on a pretty regular basis. You know, like I don't remember the last time my legs felt really fresh. Um, And, you know, we joke about that sometimes, but like, it's true, you know, high level athletes like you just, you have a new normal, but um, for the most part, I want people to be excited, you know, and go in the gym, feeling optimistic and ready to perform. Mm.
0: yeah it's funny right if you're forced to take some time off whether you're on holiday or gyms shut down because of covid or whatever the fuck it is right and you're like oh is this how i'm supposed to feel like all the time <laughs> right right is this is this my body functioning the way it's supposed to function you're like oh yeah maybe maybe all this like working out is a little bit of a bad idea yeah. It's funny, man. It's, it's hilarious. Yeah. I remember doing that, like just kind of in Eastern Europe and I was like, Oh no, I'm not going to train. I was like, nah, I'm not going to train. Like I'm, I'm going to take this time off as just like mental break, physical break. I was like, Oh, I feel great. So what is this? I've not felt like this in years.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> oh, People that go to the gym, man. I mean, pick your poison, right? You know, you could be on the street shooting up, but we're, you know, in the gym, snorting pre-workout, slapping each other and getting excited when people put heavy weight on their back, sit down and stand it up. I mean, there's not a lot of difference, but one of them we class as being healthier.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's true. I I mean, it's, it's a dramatically better option. Like, we're, we're complaining about very small things here. Like, for the most part, it's healthy, it's productive. You know, we're doing good things that aren't just good today, but will set you up well for a lifetime of, you know, reduced bone density loss and, you know, better quality of life, you know, less potential for depression and, you know, other diseases yep. for years and decades to come. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's also the social aspect too, right? Like the the people I've let, met in the gym of have hundred and ten percent been my closest people, like mm-hmm. throughout all the time of every gym I've been to, just you've end up bumping in and going shoulder to shoulder with like so many like-minded individuals. Like it's awesome. Like and I I love strength sports in the sense of uh the barbo has no prejudice, like it doesn't care who puts their hands on it it's going to weigh the same, right? So you could be a man or woman, like fully able, disabled, like whatever the fuck it is, it doesn't matter. Like it's still going to weigh the same. And I think that as a reminder is a really beautiful thing.
1: Yeah. I I enjoy that kind of camaraderie of, like, you know, when someone's going for a PR, Mm. it doesn't matter if it's, I don't know, 70 kilos or, you know, 350 kilos or something like that. The same thing is going through their mind of, of, you know, hoping they get it of, you know, being excited about it, of, you know, having to work and grind through it. Like it's the same, it's the same set of emotions that people experience across all weights, you know, and feeling excited about doing something they've never done before. That's something everyone can get behind. And I think I remember a few of my first competitions just feeling people I was competing against cheering for me, you know, and, and cheering for them in return. And um, that sense of kind of this uh, shared connection over the barbell is really something special.
0: Yeah, it really is, man. And like, you know, you get people going for a PR and like people aren't even training that day, but they're coming into the gym just to cheer you on.
1: Yeah.
0: You're like, what's going on? And it's like, well, you're going heavy on a squat. So I was like, well, I'm here to shout at you. <laughs> You're like, oh <laughs>
1: right.
0: wow. Yeah, it's it's cool, man. Like we did um an amateur powerlifting, just like if you want to sign up, sign up. Like all the gears there, but you know, you don't have to wear anything particular. You can kind of just come in and we'll we'll run it as like this very amateur thing, right? And um yeah, it was so super cool just feeling the room of like no one kind of knew each other, no one had a clue who each other were, like. The weights were drastically different. You know, there's some people pushing some pretty, pretty considerable tin, and then there was other ones just like it was. It was barely over the barbell, right? And you're just feeling this room, I'm stood right at the back, and feeling the room like this is cool. In a sense of everyone's just getting behind everyone. Like, yeah, you get some questions of like, oh, Alex, like, why, why are they doing that, or why are they doing it this way, or what's going on? And I'm like, oh, cool, like, blah 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 blah, just chunter along and like we said just just passing on that knowledge right and everyone is there to to see you do well and drink coffee and eat haribos yeah i'm i'm down for all that
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: what's your favorite haribos man
1: uh sour ooh. sour gummies sour bears
0: ooh you um you americans love the the sours
1: don't you Yes, yeah, we absolutely do. Like, um, sour Patch Kids, they're awesome. Yeah, sour, patch kids. Um, sour Sour Strips, all that stuff.
0: I have to admit, like you've got such a better selection than than back home in the UK. Like we've got like um, the the Sour Harry and then uh, you've got that, and then you have got like Toxic Waste. So it goes from like, oh yeah, this is nice to it's gonna blow my goddamn head off. Yeah. And I don't want yeah, exactly. to know what's in those things. Like just don't well, tell yeah,
1: me. the United States takes their uh takes their fast food very seriously. And uh it sh- it, it shows in our, our body mass index as a country, but uh yeah, we got some good candy.
0: <laughs> I mean, hey, you know, this swings and roundabouts, here there's pros and cons. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I heard this uh, question right last week and I've been racking my brains and I've been pulling people aside in the gym and asking them, right. And I've been that guy who's just been like, Hey, answer me this, Like, go away. You know what I mean? Uh, it's like, what's the best life advice you've ever received?
1: Mm. I can imagine being stopped by that question and just being pretty, pretty puzzled. Like that's something that you, you need some time to think about. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Um, I'm in therapy right now. And like a lot of the things that I'm I'm going through are like, you know, this life advice kind of stuff to just try to improve and Hmm. be a better person. Um, just for my own sake to just kind of improve a little bit. Um, yeah, I think a lot of times we don't realize the extent to which um, the ways that we're living are determined by things that we have no control over, you know? So like uh, seeing things online, you know, seeing how someone else lives or how you're supposed to look or or how you're supposed to act or what's supposed to make you happy uh, or how you're supposed to spend your time. And, you know, like, very few of these things stem from you you know they're just kind of like norms that are I don't know, imposed on you and the more you watch them and the more you spend time around people the more you may think like these are concrete and these are fixed and you know if you don't find happiness by living this certain way or by you know watching this certain thing or listening to certain music like there's something wrong with you and you know i am an atheist So I I think like we have this one shot to live. We we have this one shot of consciousness and at the end of that, you know, there's, there's no more life left. And so you really should spend time doing things that make you happy specifically, whatever those are, Um, finding the things that you enjoy doing and, you know, figuring out how you can spend time doing those things more often, you know, rather than what you think you're supposed to be doing that's beautiful man so yeah
0: that's i i agree i really do agree and like you know if you're not enjoying it then the fuck are you doing it for like, mm-hmm. g- granted like some things are out of necessity right um and sometimes you got to do things you don't want to do and to to get to a place that you you do want right you know like sacrifice whatever yeah granted don't sacrifice it all um mm-hmm. but sometimes yeah you do have to sacrifice those things to take you from from point a to point b and point b is where you want to be so um that's you know that's that's life but yeah 100 yeah. like if you're not enjoying it you're not happy then what are you doing mm-hmm. like i that's yeah. a lot of people i went to school with right um like i'm over here in new zealand right so i left i didn't go to uni um or i went for two months literally and then i was broke couldn't afford it like i was like well i'm fucked. i need to leave um but everyone's done the same thing and everyone's in the same place and everyone's just you know got a nine to five or whatever and i think i don't get it I'm like, is that what you want to do? It's like, no, it gives me a paycheck. It's like, well, well, it's not what you want to do.
1: Yeah. There's like, there's kind of two ways of viewing job and, and work and stuff like that. Um, I'm sure you've heard this, like, oh, if you uh, if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and like, you know, I, I don't really believe that, too, because I think – even if you're doing what you like, like, it's not just like pure bliss all the time. And, and we habituate to what we do like pretty quickly. So it'll be novel for a while and then it'll kind of be work, uh, after a while like that, but okay. So going back to kind of these two ways of viewing life. So one is you work probably in something you don't like tremendously, but Uh, you try to make money so that you are able to do what you really want to in your free time. Uh, And then the other way is do something that you love doing. So that's what you love doing. And, and, you know, it's not really so bad. So you just get to enjoy doing that all the time. And then you still get to do some stuff in your, in your spare time too, but it's, it's a lot of work anyways. So yeah. I, I don't think there's a right way. Like most people are probably in the former category uh, who do something they're not crazy passionate about, but it gives them money. So they get to do what they want to in other places, mm. you know, like how many HR people are like absolutely passionate about being in human resources or like finance, like, Oh, I love finance. or I love accounting. It's it's my passion taxes. Oh, I love it. Uh, probably not a whole lot of people, maybe some for sure. Um, but, yeah, they're just trying to have a stable income so they can do what they love in other times. And like, I get that. I get that. Uh, it's just, uh, I don't know, I kind of ended up here as a powerlifting coach.
0: Yeah, for sure. Like, I understand it. And if that's the way they want to live their life, then who are we to judge, right? And it's just like, yeah, yeah. like the, the way you want to live, like 100%. Um, personally, it's not for me. Like, I would much rather stick by my own moral compass and make a, make a lot less dollars than, than, you know, than the opposite. But like we said, who am I to judge and who they to judge do whatever the fuck you Mm -hmm. want to do at the end of the day. And then the second question, like the the follow-on for that is like, what's the worst advice you've ever received?
1: Mm, Good question. know like uh i think sometimes when people say like oh like just be happy um like you can just kind of switch it on and off uh or something like that it's just it doesn't make any sense to me uh, it's just a simplified just kind of like casual expression like that um happiness is complex like it's it's really complex there's a few other great podcasts on it there's one actually called the Happiness Lab. Um, by Dr. Lori Santos. She's a researcher out of Penn State, maybe. Anyway, um, some awesome stuff on on positive psychology coming out of that, but you can't like force yourself to be happy or something. And, and oftentimes the things that we think will make us happy actually don't. Um, so digging into that just a little bit is, is a, a really good idea.
0: Mm. I, I think that's really important too, right? And uh, like, I'm a thinker, right? I'll sit down and I'll think a lot of things and I'll write some things down and, you know, books and all that bullshit. But at the same time, um, I think of it as like, we're, we're all human, right? I would like to think so. Some of us may appear alien-like, but we are all human. Um, so that means we're, we're supposed to feel all emotions. Like life is a gray area. We know that there is no definitive answer for anything. It's everything is just a theory and one snap of the fingers and what we once thought is true is now false. So everything's just a gray area. So like so's emotion. And if happiness is one emotion on one side of the spectrum and the other side is, you know, complete depression, and we've got all, all those other emotions in the middle. If life if life is a gray area, then we're supposed to feel them all. We're supposed to pendulum from one side to the other. We're supposed to sit in the middle for a while. We're supposed to be stuck at one end for a while. And like, it. it's weird to think about. But at the same time, it's freeing in the sense of if you're super happy, you're like, okay, yeah, great. I'm happy. But I'm going to appreciate this time now because life is going to throw something at me somewhere down the line and it's going to throw me to the other sen- uh, end of the pendulum. And then I'm going to be like super down in the dumps. And then also, if you're on that end, you're like, well, feelings fed," And this ain't going to stick around for the rest of your life. Like things fall to pieces. You know, you put something, say, for example, I don't know, like the autumn leaves, the fall leaves. You know, they're there for two weeks, but then they fall off. Mm -hmm. It's gone. And then, you know, life begins again and it's the cycle of life. And like, I think nature is a great metaphor for, for everything going on in your head, because us human beings are not the smartest of animals. We try and come up with all the answers and we don't. And we come up with like, let's be honest, we scratch the surface and you go out and just watch. Right. And I remember um, going on some walk by, by a big mountain here in, in Christchurch. Right. Anyway, it kind of wound down and I ended up getting to this waterfall. I'm like, fuck, it's a bit dark down here. It's like, super gloomy, but it's just like this waterfall. And I just sat there watching it and I was like, this this, is poetic, this is beautiful. There's a super dark little cave and it looked like it was never going to get any sunlight. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, it's wet, it's damp. And like, it's dark. I'm like, nothing is going to live there. And then you just see like these little plants just sort of chilling. And you're like, hold on a minute. Even at like the, the most hostile of environments, Mother Nature chooses life. You're like maybe we should do the same. You're just like, hmm, there we go. You know, stood back up, That's walked back man. into civilization. Oh, thank you, man. Like, uh, yeah. I think I think a lot of people lack that way of thinking these days, man. Or even lack the confidence to go seek out therapy. You know what I mean? I
1: think uh yeah, one thing that happens is like there are fewer quiet moments where people aren't doing anything. You know, like uh, I don't want this to turn into like just hating on social media, but um, social media has filled in a lot of those moments that used to just be these quiet contemplative moments, just like waiting in a grocery store line or, um, you know, being on a bus or something like that. You can just fill that time with stuff, whether it's social media or looking at pictures or, you know, texting your friends or something rather than just kind of being alone with your thoughts. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I don't want that to, to totally go away. You know, these moments like you had where, you know, you just started thinking about life and you were on this hike and, you know, in a beautiful place and just fully in the moment, uh, in that space. Like I don't want those moments to just go away completely. And, um, I worry that those quiet moments, uh, are starting to fade uh, away a little bit more.
0: Yeah. Especially for a lot of people, right. they, you know, it's it's always screen time. I think it comes down to the individual to be real strict. I've been like, I'm not going to go on my phone for whatever time, or I'm going to even delete the app. You know what I mean? Like all your information is still going to be there. Let's be honest. It's just not going to be on the screen. So you're not going to have the temptation. Um, mm-hmm. And um, I usually do it every year. I'll like disappear and I'll delete everything from my phone. Like it's, I can basically dial like, one 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 which is nine one one and mm-hmm. that's about it like I keep it on airplane mode so people can't contact me and I literally like just fucking go rogue. Um yeah. and it's it's weird man you go to some weird places in your head weird places but you come out the other end and you're like holy shit I can see life through another set of eyes. Mm-hmm. Before the world, you know, before people or situations or whatever starts clouding your judgment, it's like, no, no, no. You've got that time for you to communicate with yourself, for you to communicate with the nature around you and for you to set your own self. So then you can then, like we do, right? We help people for a living. Like it's, it's super grateful for that. And it's, it's incredible. But at the same time, we need to, you know, help ourselves. And that comes with yeah. uh, everything else needs
1: to go away for a while. Yeah, That's really true. Um, you find that it hurts your business at all when you take time away from social media?
0: Honestly, man. Um, I thought it would. I thought it would. It would um, negatively impact me a lot more than it does. Yeah. You get a little bit of a slump, but that's, that's life. You know what I mean? Like that's. That's the way it's going to be. Like, if you take any type of holiday, you're going to get some sort of slump. Um, But I just got to a stage where I was like, you know what? I just don't care. Mm-hmm. I was like, I fucking work so hard anyway that being the underdog, like, fires me up. So if it, if it dips, that's just going to give me more motivation anyway. And I'm like, I need to do this. Otherwise, I'll burn every bridge possible. So I'll be like, mm-hmm. cool. And... I just got to the stage where I just didn't care, to be honest. Um, yeah. And like I said, like I write too. So that technically is an investment into something else. So if I go away and I start writing some things and it's just me and a, and a notepad, in I know in like six to 12 months time, that's going to be a book. So it's kind of like an investment for future things. So that's that's the way I I trick my own mind to to not be so paranoid about it
1: yeah that's true
0: brother i um i really really appreciate your time and answer.
1: oh it's my pleasure man anytime
0: really appreciate it um if people wanted to to find you where would you where would you send them
1: Well, speaking of social media, um, I post a lot of random uh, philosophical musings, studies, um, tips about how to be a better athlete on Instagram at Bryce underscore TSA. And you can learn more about how we work with athletes at our website at thestrengthathlete.com. Perfect.
0: I love all the philosophical stuff, man. That's exactly how my brain works of just like questioning everything. um. So I really appreciate that. Even if no one else does.
1: Cool, man. Well, I'll keep it up. I appreciate you, the uh, encouragement.
0: Um, and if you, you know, if you ever find yourself dicking around in the bottom right-hand corner of the world, not knowing what to do, then hit me up. We'll grab a coffee and we'll uh, we'll get under a babble.
1: That sounds great. In the meantime, I'm thankful for the internet for, uh, for connecting us.
0: Yes, sir. Thank you, bro. Have a uh, have a great day, man. All right. Thanks. You take it easy.